Today on the No City on the Sideline Dad Podcast, episode 118. Everyone has a money story, like a life script from the past. It can kind of controls what we do now. Your money is nothing more than a tool for you to use. If you gain control of it, it'll bring back dividends. We explore that next with my guest, Jim Kreider from the Intentional Living FP, next on the podcast. Let's do this. Welcome to the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad podcast, a podcast about a journey of discovery and conversations about not sitting on the sideline of life. Let's get involved. Here's host Joe Foley. Welcome to the on the Sideline Dad podcast. Hey, my name is Joe Foley, and I really want to say thank you for being here. If this is your first time, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, I know your time's limited, so you spend time. It really means a lot to you. You choose to listen to this podcast, and I really appreciate you being here. I really do. I like having you here. When you listen to the podcast, you, hey, or you send an email or send you a text, or I, I really do appreciate you being here. You know, it's really, really fun to have you here. Next up, my interview with Jim Kreider, the CEO of Attentional Living, FP. Jim helps clients live the life they want to live. It's like financial independence. Financial planning for families desire early financial independence. What What is financial independence? Father of three kids, under five. Hey, <laughs> him and his wife had their hands full. I have one son. I can imagine having three kids. You, you know, you could play, you had two, you could play one-on-one. Now it's like, uh, <laughs> it gets a little more complicated. Wow. That's a busy life in itself. The key, key things I took away, I want to take, I want to share with you, takeaways I want to share with you in this interview is, is why. Why we do things. Why we do the things the way we do it. That, see, that big important why. And I, and actually, I'm not going to kind of um, ruin it for you, but I actually, I had some light bulb moments in this interview. I, will, I won't lie, there were some light bulb moments in this interview. And there's something in your past that guides you to do the things you do today. And you may not even realize it. It's like a structure. It's like kind of a thing that we just like autopilot or default mode. Jim shares a lot of good information and good stuff. So let's jump right in. Welcome to the podcast, Jim. Yeah, Joe. Th- thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I was just talking at the beginning before we started this, and you have three boys and being an underage five. How do you – I had one son. He's now seven. Now he's Mr. Opinionated. But <laughs> how – man, you got you and your wife have to be really busy. Yeah. So yeah, we have uh, we have a all, all three of your boys, and yeah, we have a three year old, a one year old, and a newborn. So the house is a zoo. There's uh, monster trucks and Legos and dinosaurs everywhere. But uh, I wouldn't wouldn't trade it for anything. One of the fun thing too is um, that age. I remember my son being when he was three. He always had those favorite shows. What are the some of the shows like you have your kids watch like for cartoon stuff? Ah, gosh, anything that has to do with dinosaurs is, uh, <laughs> is the go-to. It can be, uh, the most basic you can tell, you know, uh, a kid made it on his computer using a simple app, but if it has dinosaurs on it, it's going to be watched in our house. I remember that too. That my, my son liked dinosaurs and monster trucks. He always liked the monster trucks and we can watch those videos over and over. And then, and then you threw a little Peppa Pig and, and then a little bit of, um, there's another guy too, uh, Blippy. Blippy was oh, one. Man. <laughs> yep. Lots of Blippy in the house. <laughs> well, that's a good show, actually. And the guy I've actually talked to him; he's a real nice guy. But after all, Peppa Pig, though, you, 
Yeah, it can be too much after a while. <laughs> yeah, we we get our fill of cartoons um, and uh, shows. We try to keep them educational and, and engaging, but um, right now, the I guess there our three year old's the only one who will really engage, and his attention span still is not quite enough to be able to really latch onto a movie or anything for too long. But um, yeah, definitely, it's good. It's a good way for them to diversify and what they're exposed to. So yeah, we like it. Well, another dad to another dad. I got to ask a simple question because we all have, you know, dads, we have these things, you know, we things like, oh, I can't believe I did that. Oh, uh, man. Oh, man. What is one of your dad? Oh, my God. Uh, I can't believe I did, did that kind of dad experience. Mm. So uh, about a year and a half ago, we moved or I uh, we moved from Dallas mm-hmm. uh, a few hours south down towards uh, the Austin area of Texas. And at that time, our, our oldest, he was turning, he was, he was about two years old, a little bit older. And we thought, you know what? We're, we're moving. It'll, it'll be a great chance to, uh, have him leave the crib and go to a big boy bed. And he don't, he won't need a pass, pacifier anymore. So we thought we'll just rip the bandaid off. <laughs> and, uh, that was, that was too much change for that boy. I feel horrible now. Was, uh, <laughs> he was overwhelmed with change in that first week. So we had to, we had to go back to the pacifier for a little bit longer and, um, yeah, looking back now, it's probably a little bit too much at once, but, uh, hopefully we've learned that lesson and we'll do better for the other two boys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can, I have a boy myself and I can share my funny story. When, the, when my son was born in the hospital, they had me change his diaper for the very first time. You know, uh, boys and the child of the diaper for the very first time. I'm changing the diaper and all of a sudden he started, you know, as soon as the diaper comes off, he all of a sudden he started peeing. I, I panicked and I slammed the diaper back on and he peed in his head and face. I'm like, Oh my God. I was like, I felt like the worst dad in the world for a few minutes ago. I'm like, cause I panic. I'm like, Oh my God. Oh no. <laughs> he don't remember yeah. because he, he'll never remember it because he was just, bo- he was an infant, just born. But man, I was like, Oh man, his dad. I'm like, Oh, that was, that was an epic fail on that part. <laughs> yeah. I remember those, those, those times of, uh, trying to change and they start going and you're trying to figure out what to do. And yeah, good, good stuff. Have to be quick. Have that next diaper ready as soon as that first one comes off. Well, I think after a while, I became a diaper-changing ninja, too. I was like, this is, I'm like, taking it, like, hold the one hand. I grabbed the, the powder, the, the thing, and I and I, I was like, oh, I was coming a di- diaper-changing ninja. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, one thing I bring you on tonight, I thought about, and we discussed before, is financial independence. And the, you're a certified financial planner. I'm kind of, I kind of know what it is, but what is a certified financial planner? Well, so my job, in essence, is to live Anywhere and everyone, everywhere that somebody's life and money intersect. So in the, a certified financial planner, I mean, basically just means I spent, I've spent an outrageous amount of time studying the core competencies of personal finance. There's, you know, there's a lot of studying and a, a test and certain like continuing education and things that have to go into that. But yeah, it's basically, um, again, it's, what is something, what is anything and everything that could affect your financial life? Um, I want to be there and help you, help guide you make intentional decisions uh, to make sure you're actually using what you have uh, for the best purpose in your life. One other thing, too, is um, one understanding money, financial planning. What was some, where would somebody start? Because I'm kind of I'm kind of new at this and I'm kind of interested. Where would somebody start? What are the beginnings part of it? Yeah, so it, most people, when they think of financial planning, they immediately jump to like investments, like perfect. Okay. Let's get into this. What's a good mutual fund I should buy. Obviously, you know, you want to get to the nitty gritty, um, the tools and everything down the line, 
but you foundationally want to begin with what is important to you. So my job at very base is to help my clients live the life that they want to live, understanding that their money is nothing more than a tool that's there to help them live that life. So we begin fully with understanding what is important to you, what do you want your life to look like, and then how can your money best serve that purpose? So that's if we if we don't begin with that, we're too apt to miss. And yeah, we I mean if you went to a doctor and you walked in and you said, Hey, um, I've been having a lot of pain in my in my side, and they just immediately gave you the first prescription that comes to mind. I'm sure you would leave there and maybe <laughs> not fully trust exactly what they gave you. You want them to hear you out fully as far as what's been going on, what's your background. Um and then once you feel adequately diagnosed, then you'll be comfortable with what they prescribe for you. One thing I found interesting too is you mentioned about money being a tool. That's an interesting way of putting it because sometimes money can be have emotional emotional parts to it. People um, have negative thoughts about money. And I never heard of it, money as a tool. What does that actually mean? So, yeah, it, it's, it is something you can just simply assign a use for. So the dollars and cents themselves, I mean, no, I, I've worked with a lot of high net worth people, high income families. <laughs> And no one in the day actually says that I just want to accumulate X amount of dollars. A lot of people think maybe on surface level, I want to have a net worth of $7 million. But then the question is why? Why do you want to have that? And then you start uncovering what's important to them. Okay, well, I want to have X, you know, I want to have X dollars so I don't have to work anymore. Well, why is it important that you don't have to work anymore? Well, because I would love to be able to spend more time with my family. Oh, so what we're getting at here is the time freedom and optionality for where and when you spend your time at work and with others. The money is just a way to help accomplish that. So that's what I mean by tool. That's interesting, too, about spending more time with family, opening up the freedom of doing things. So that's obviously important. Um, so money and family and stuff is more important. That's an interesting way of putting it. And Ben, if you give me an example, maybe some things, maybe some clients that you helped, maybe a story you can share? Yeah. Um, gosh. I would say... If I, if I could, I'll start off with a framework of how I approach this. Okay. So it, it might help. So if, if you picture a flow chart for me, the anchor of that flow chart would be what I would describe as values. Values being the underlying why. Like what is the foundational driver and motivator behind what you're doing? Okay. And then you move into your goals. Goals are more the tangible what's. Understanding that goals are going to change. I bet, Joe, that your, your goals today are a lot different than they were five years ago, and they'll probably be different five years from now. And that's perfectly fine. The purpose of a goal is simply to inform the next best action to take. And then again, and then again. So again, we have values, the underlying why, and then we have goals, and then we have decisions. So everything in life requires a decision. There's always trade-offs. There's always opportunity costs. If you're going to do something, you are giving up another. So we want to make sure that the decisions you make are purposeful and intentional, and then finally, there's actions. What are you going to actually do? So values, goals, decisions, and actions. Um, I have had tens of thousands of conversations with families over the years. And here you asked me for, for a story or anecdote. So here's a very common story um, that I've, 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 I've had with clients. So uh, sit down with a family, really successful by all accounts financially, and we start talking about, perfect, hey, you're in your 60s, you're doing well, what do you want to do? What caused you to want to pursue your career that you were able to make money in? And 
you know, understanding where they came from and where they're going to head. Well, you know, usually a spouse starts talking and it comes out that, Hey, when I was, when I was a kid, I didn't have much money. My parents, we were poor. I had my, had to hear my parents fight about money a lot. And I decided that when I was 10 years old, I would make sure that my family was financially successful. That way my kids would have a better uh, childhood than I had. Well, it's like, well, that's, that's fantastic. We fast forward. It's 50 years later and here we are talking and we start talking about, okay, that's great. You're, you were financially successful. Um, how was money, uh, for your kids and how were things for your, the childhood? If that was important to you. And that the sad thing is in countless conversations, um, the client pauses and then realizes in that moment that, wow, you know, I, when I was a kid, I wanted to have financial freedom. So my kids would have a better childhood than I had. But I spent my whole adult life pursuing the money without actually considering the effect it was having on my family. And now that I realize it, my kids are grown and out of the house, but I never actually, I don't even know if my kids had a good childhood or not because I was so busy focusing on the goal, which was accumulating dollars, that I got lost in what the value was, which was having providing a good childhood for my family. So it's really important to make sure we're staying accountable to ourselves with what is the underlying why in what we're doing? You know, um, I believe it's in the book of uh, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People that there's a story of uh, leaning your ladder up against the wrong wall. You know, you can do a phenomenal job climbing a ladder, but if you recognize that once you get to the top, yeah, you climbed real high, but you're leaning against the wrong wall, uh, you didn't accomplish a mission. You just spent a lot of time and effort going the wrong direction. And that's what a lot of people do. They, 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 they amass a lot of money and high net worth and they do great financially, but it's not actually serving the purpose of their life. So that's, that's really what I mean by the, the money is just a tool to help you live the life you want to live. And if you're not doing that, then what are you working for? It's interesting you say that about relationships, but I was thinking about relationships of money. Because relationships at home are, seem to, I mean, I, I feel that relationships at home and my, and my son is more important, but sometimes people have a bad relationship with money too. Oh yeah, that's, that's that's always an interesting question is, you know, just simply to ask somebody, what was money like growing up? Because everyone has a story. You know, everyone, everyone likes to talk about their past and you know, sort of sit there and reminisce, of, <laughs> you know, what were things like? You know, man, I ate, I ate a lot of hamburger helper and um, it makes sense now. And, you know, just thinking about the struggles you had when you were younger and what you were able to glean from it. But, yeah, that, that causes what we call a money script. You know, the way you process financial decisions now are largely influenced by what money was like growing up. That's been very interesting too. I never thought I, I I never thought I'd put it that way because my experience as a kid affects me what I do now. Well, that's interesting. Yes, yeah, certainly. It's um and you can see that from spending habits. I mean, gosh, think about think about the, the greatest generation who were kids during the Great Depression. You know, that generation was a whole group of people. They wouldn't throw a single thing away. And that's because they were raised to you do not waste. Yep. Yeah, so and that that affected how they live the rest of their life and what they would teach their kids and grandkids. And that there's, there's a money script for each generation and each individual person. Well, you mentioned too about line with the money, with your values, your values also being like family, your family, and you want to spend time, more time with them. So get, would it be a good idea to get their money in their financial situations in order? Oh, certainly that's so my firm, it's called intentional living FP. Um, I work specifically with young families who want to achieve early financial independence specifically for the purpose of being able to spend uh, time with the people they care about. And 
Um, again, as I go back, there, you are going to have decisions to make and trade-offs to be had. So you want to make sure you're very clear in what is important to you and your family. That way, when you're when you have the opportunity to do something, you're actually aligning your choice and your behavior with what's important to you. So if if you really value being able to have um, maybe be able to take extra vacation per year or not having to work until your 60s, but be able to retire younger, well, um, there's going to be sacrifices to do that. Now, if you also, if you really want to make sure that you're able to, you know, maybe David, maybe take your daughter on a date once per month. Well, that's, that's a financial decision. Maybe that's something you should budget in and account for. But if that's important to you, that's fantastic. Make sure it's, it's part of what you're planning for, but actually use your money for what, what, what is important. So I, I'm not, I'm not here to tell you what is important to you or not, but rather to keep you accountable towards what that is. It's interesting too about financial freedom to pursue your passions. What a, I mean, what are some of your passions too? Have you like this? Is this your passion? Yeah. So, if if I won the lottery today, I would keep doing this. I absolutely <laughs> love it, how it started. I I decided I I wanted to help families have healthy conversations around money and actually use their money for what is important to them. And I love what I do. Um, if, like I said, if I won the Powerball, I'd keep doing this. Um, besides this, I I like spending time in the mountains and going hiking and backpacking. So, I mean, my financial goals is I'm, I'm 31. My goal is at 45, be able to not have to work. I will continue doing this, but uh, not have to. That way I can go and backpack these long trails that take multiple months with my kids before they have their own families on, of their own and they're too busy to, you know, go and spend time with me. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that's that influences decisions I make today. Now, the, the thing is, again, going back to the money as a tool, it is there to help me spend time with the people I love. Now, of course, a big, a long-term picture of that is be able to have a house in the mountains and retire early. That way I can have uh, time with my kids and be able to create, create moments and memories with, with my kids and their kids um, when I'm older. But it would be completely asinine to say that I want that in the future, but sacrifice it on the altar of today. And what I mean by that is what if I said that, well, I want, I want to have money so I can spend more time with the people I care about yet miss out on my, my kids games or never be there to read them at night, you know? So again, that goes back. There's going to be decisions and trade-offs. If my ultimate goal right now was just to be able to retire ASAP, well, I probably wouldn't make time to read to my kids, you know, before they go to bed at night. But I recognize that is truly what's important. So I will make time for that. And, uh, my long-term goals will not be sacrificed on that altar. Well, I don't think too is that. Having a navigating a healthy money conversation. How some how would somebody do that for a family? You'd sit down. What would be the process? So that really comes with understanding, like what do you want and why do you want this? So it, 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 a lot of conversations. For instance, I, I a family comes to mind. We were having a conversation. We'll, we'll call them Jack and Jane. So. Um, it came out after a couple of meetings that Jack and Jane had actually been considering a divorce for quite a while. And I mean, the, the wife just broke down crying in our meeting and we started talking and it, it came to find out that, uh, Jack and Jane, they, they fought about money all the time. And what we, what we all realized in that conversation that, um, Jane hated how much Jack worked. He was constantly working. But through the conversation, we found out that Jack, the reason he worked is because he wanted to make sure that they had enough money to go on these long, multi-week vacations every year and do something that he wasn't able to do when he was a kid. And he wanted to make sure that they had that specific time set apart for their kids each summer. That was important. 
And Jack was always frustrated with his wife because, well, she wasn't driven financially. She'd go to work, but in the evenings, it's like she, she wouldn't pick up the extra hours and do all those things. And he thought that she was just being passive and didn't care about it. But really the reason what she what was important to her is she wanted to make sure at, at night she was always there and she was at the kids games. So both of them were frustrated thinking that all you care about is wanting money or not working. But ultimately they wanted the same thing. They wanted to create moments and memories with their kids and just approach it separate ways. So they almost got a divorce because they didn't recognize they actually wanted the same thing for their family. They're just approaching it from different directions. So foundationally, Having healthy money, money conversations comes down to understanding, well, you're saying you want this, but why do you actually want it? You can't stop it. You know, Hey, I, I want to not have to work by the time I'm 50. Well, why is that? Oh, well, that, that is truly what we're after. It's interesting too, because money is one of the big things that cause divorce too. A lot of not having the conversations. I don't understand why it's so hard. Why people are so hard to under have those conversations. Oh yeah, money is the the last taboo uh, <laughs> out there. No, no one talks about it. It's it's super private. It is. It's the number one cause of divorce in the U.S. That's that was massively influential to me getting in the industry. I said, gosh, if I could help people have good conversations around money and uh, understanding that's the top cause of divorce, that'd be an absolutely phenomenal career. Um, now you, you said, well, why why is why is it so hard to have these conversations? Um, because it's deeply personal. The way you use, if I mean, you show me your calendar mm-hmm. and how you spend your money, that will tell a very clear picture about who you are. Well, that's interesting. People, oh yeah, it, it's it's very indicative of what's important to you. Now, the the hard thing is, a lot of people who I'd say most Americans are not actually aligning their resources with what is truly valuable to them. We coast through life. You get used to going and making these obscure purchases and doing stuff, and it's just routine, but you're actually never getting closer to what's actually important to you. So, I mean, growing up, it always bothered me hearing people talk about, man, I wish I could go to Europe, but we were never able to afford it. And I just looked, and my gosh, you're spending $300 a month on cable. Like, <laughs> is going to Europe actually important to you, or is cable more important? And I'm not, I'm not telling you which one's better, but you are making a decision, be it conscious or subconscious. So it's things like that. Like, yeah, money's, money can be hard to talk about because it's very indicative of what you're valuing and it can, it can expose potentially, I don't know, I don't want to say hypocrisy, but yeah, it can expose misalignment with what you're doing and what you say is important to you. Well, people don't realize too. I mean, I'm a local, I, we have Dunkin' Donuts here. I'm not sure you have, you are. I'm not Dunkin' Donuts down there, but that coffee shop, that line every morning, I, I'm, I'm, I'm bad. I try to cut back, but there's always like 10 cars deep. Everybody has to have their latte or their extra large coffee, and, and that's that's five bucks a day. I mean, that adds up pretty quick. Oh, yeah. And if, if buying a latte is important to you, that's fantastic. Let's go for it. But let's at least understand, why do you want this? Is this actually important to you? Is this detracting from, from you able to do something else that is important? So, again, my job is not to tell you what is important to you or not, but rather help you make intentional, conscious decisions and use your money towards those things. It almost reminds me of one of those uh, cartoons when you're a kid that things we have a, a picture here and a picture here and then it's almost lining up like this a little bit. That I'm just using an example for money, and then it's, it's almost there but not quite. That's what I'm thinking about in my vision in my head when I'm thinking what you're saying. Yeah, that's it, you see a. It, it's hard because we are constantly using money. Things mm-hmm. are always thrown our way, and that goes back to that 
um, flowchart I alluded to earlier. So values and goals and decisions and actions. Almost everyone I've ever talked with um, is more of coasting through life. And instead of making purposeful, intentional actions, we're more reactionary. Like, well, I have to do something now, so I will do this. Um, rather than taking a step back and, you know, some people set goals once per year, which is fantastic. There's a lot of studies to show that setting goals and writing them down is really important, but very few people do that. And even fewer people actually say, well, why do I even have this goal and what purpose is this truly serving? And if you can actually take all of that, starting with why do I want what I want and answer that honestly, and then align what you're doing with that, that will go that that will help you actually align what you have with what you want. That's interesting. I'm, I'm, that's, I'm, I got to work. I have a lot of work to do. <laughs> I'm going to get myself lined up. <laughs> I got a new notebook. I'm ready to go. Well, you know, wrapping up, I guess, final thoughts. Anyone want to leave with the audience about about money, maybe some idea or maybe goals and stuff like that? One, I, I do encourage everyone, you know, have goals. Don't Don't allow yourself to be trapped by a goal but rather set the goal, understanding that should be a step to help you identify what is the next best action to take. But whenever you, whenever you set a goal, be it, I want to lose, you know, I want to lose 20 pounds. Ask yourself, why do you have that goal? Because I mean, for instance, losing weight, if, if your goal is to lose 20 pounds, there's a very unhealthy way to do that. You could just not eat for a very long period of time mm -hmm. and you technically would have fit your goal. But if you ask yourself, Hey, I want to lose 20 pounds. Well, why do I want to do that? Oh, it's because I want to make sure I'm around and can go hiking with my kids when they're older, and I want to make sure I'm in shape even then. It's like, oh, well, you'll approach the way you lose weight in a much better way. So don't just ask yourself, what's the goal I have? But actually, why do I have this? And that will inform how you go and approach achieving that goal. Well, Jim, thank you much for being on the podcast, and I really do appreciate it. all the links will be in the show notes. Where they want to, where they want to connect, where can I reach out and maybe ask more questions and find out more about you? Yeah, so my website is intentionallivingfp.com and you can go there and uh, you can throw a time on my calendar. I'd be glad to talk with you 15 minutes, answer any questions. If there's a specific question you have, I'll do my best to answer it, be it a you know more technical financial planning side of things. Or if you want to set up a time and get in the nitty gritty a little bit more, I'd love to do that. Well, Jim, thank you much for being on the podcast tonight. Really appreciate it, sir. Have a great rest of your evening. Thanks, Joe. Wrapping up this episode, I want to thank Jim Kreider for being a guest on the podcast. You can find more about him over at intentionallivingfp.com. You can find all those links in the show notes for this episode at nocityonthesideline.com slash 118. Hey, please reach out, leave a comment if you have questions, or just want to say hello. i love to hear what you have to say. Hey, great episode, or you could have done something a little better. Hey, I, I you know, any feedback is welcome, and I really do appreciate it. You can find all the contact information at nocityonthesideline.com. Before we leave, and I just want to talk about live scripts. I found this very, very fascinating. I found an article, a link in the show notes, at theguardian.com. So according to cognitive psychologists, each of us has a live script or a scheme. We're not aware of it. Live scripts are another way of describing meanings we attribute to the events that happen to us. Depends on a particular script, we can interpret the events in memory different ways. Like money scripts, like Jim just talked about before, and how husband and wife sometimes, they want the same thing, but they're coming out of a different direction. It's just, it's interesting. Like, psychologists believe that our life scripts are usually created in childhood. Understanding your particular script and your past can help you see how it might influence your thoughts. 
helped come with more positive and thoughts and actions. It was amazing. I would honestly, I was really, I really liked this interview and I really enjoyed having Jim on the, on the podcast. Well, I really appreciate you being here until next time. Take care. Give your kids a hug. How much you love them. Hey, you know, give a friend a call. If you haven't talked to someone in a while, especially nowadays in this crazy world, <laughs> give kids, or give your kids a hug or call a friend and say, hello. I'm like, how are you doing? Until next time, take care. God bless. See ya.